Thanks for tuning in to another episode of From Funding to Fame, where we interview the founders and funders currently raising capital on FrontFunder, as well as experts in the private capital markets. I'm your host, Trias Redding, the head of campaigns at FrontFunder, and I'm excited to introduce more Canadians to equity crowdfunding. This podcast episode features conversations about a business's current operations and future plans, and as a result, may contain forward-looking information. There can be no assurance that forward-looking information will prove to be accurate, as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. Listeners should not place undue reliance on forward-looking information. Today, we're going to be speaking with the CEO, founder, and president of Merchant Opportunities Fund, David Jens. Merchant Opportunities Fund is a private fund that provides unique access to specialty finance investments. They deliver attractive, consistent returns to investors while supporting Canadian small business growth. Since launching in 2010, the fund provides investors with a quarterly income stream earning an average annual return of 8.6%. Here are some highlights. Merchant Opportunities Fund targets a 10-12% to return, net of all fees and expenses while providing investors with quarterly distributions. The fund invests in diversified, high-yield portfolios, and it pays a quarterly cash distribution equal to 8% annually. With a stringent risk framework and credit review process, the fund effectively reviews portfolios and prices risk accurately, leading to attractive risk-adjusted returns. The fund has generated consistent cash flow, which has allowed for monthly liquidity and adjusted lending rates to maintain returns in a rising rate environment and they have been fueling the growth of small businesses coast-to-coast for over a decade by providing short-term, high-yield, fully amortizing private loans. Hey, David. Thanks uh, so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Excited to be doing this. Fantastic. Uh, So am I. I know we've uh, worked with Merchant for uh, really, I think, as long as I've been with FrontFunder, so it's going to be fantastic to to hear more about uh, the business. So I'd uh, love to start by getting to know a bit more about you as a a founder. Um, You're an award-winning business leader who's passionate about helping Canadian small businesses grow by finding the financing they need. Um, Being the founder of multiple businesses, you now lead one of Canada's largest online small business finance companies. So can you tell us a bit more about what inspired you to get into entrepreneurship and how you saw the need for something like merchant in the market? Yeah. So really I had examples in my family is the honest answer. Like I grew up with entrepreneurs around me. My dad was an entrepreneur. My brother was an entrepreneur, uh, my uncle too. So quite a bit of entrepreneurship. And, uh, you know, I saw the pros and cons of that firsthand growing up. Uh, my dad would be pretty busy um, a lot of the time. Uh, but I also saw, you know, as I was growing up, I saw him become more successful and uh, same with same with my brother and uncle. So, um, you know, they took a lot of pride in what they did. And uh, it seemed like a really kind of fulfilling path uh, and an exciting one. So I always knew that's what I wanted to do. As far as this opportunity goes, uh, I had read about this business model in the U.S. An article caught my eye. Uh, a friend of mine showed it to me. And it had talked about uh, a growing non-bank financial services industry in the U.S. Uh, there were pretty big companies that were doing these small business loans uh, outside of the banking system. And uh, I did some research on Canada and realized that there were very few companies doing this in Canada. I interviewed some business owners and nobody had ever considered that you could you know, find credit for your business outside of your bank. So uh, I concluded that this category was really lagging in Canada, like it had developed a lot more in the US at that point. This is around 2009. 
one of the best things you can do to improve your chances of success as a founder, I think is like, just get into like a space that's growing. I think I was right enough about that. And that's kind of why we've grown to the point that we've grown today. Um, yeah. So that's how we came across that one. That's great. Well, I always uh, love hearing stories of uh, people who grow up in entrepreneurial families and decide to pursue that themselves. I think that's so great. To your point, you learn a lot, both the, the good and the bad of what it entails. But uh, I always think it's so inspiring to see entrepreneurs and watch them work. And, uh, you know, you can really learn a lot from that. So it's great to hear that's part of your journey. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned, obviously, identifying that high growth industry, but also, you know, finding something that's uh, clearly such a need in the market. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that you guys were really able to do, um, you know, by providing investors with returns that are only typically accessible to institutional investors through private markets, um, coupled with, uh, you know, lower volatility, greater liquidity options through flexible redemption rights, and, uh, you know, also really addressing the need um, to provide capital to Canadians underserved by the banking system. So, Perhaps you could explain a little bit more about the, the specific challenges faced by these individuals and small businesses and how your fund works to address those both. Yeah, so the, the gap that really exists, and sometimes I refer to it as a credit desert, because small businesses really are in this desert where there's really not a lot of options for credit. Uh, banks have gotten out of small business credit decades ago, really. Like there was this kind of myth back in the day you could go to your local uh, branch manager and uh, somebody that you know from the community and they know you and they vouch for you and you can get a loan for your business. Those are kind of the, the good old days. Now it's it's a very rigid approach the banks take and it's really based on collateral. It's based on whether the business owns real estate or the business owner owns real estate. And if the business owner does not own real estate or does not want to encumber their real estate, uh, they're left maybe going home with a small credit card um, that they can use in their business, but not a meaningful amount of credit to really do something impactful, like stock up for inventory for their you know, season or um, build another location, like a significant amount of capital to move them forward. The bank's not going to do that for them uh, unless they have that real estate. And so that that's the gap that we're addressing on the lending side. And, and then how our fund um, helps accomplish this, you know, as soon as I saw this business opportunity, I thought, okay, well, this seems to be a growing industry. There's clearly a need from small businesses. This is also resulting in the manufacturing, a very, a very interesting investment product, right? It's a short duration, high yield credit asset, uh, that's, you know, small dollar. So you can get to, uh, uh, you know, get your your pool of capital into a very diversified position pretty quickly. Um, it's it's uh, this has a bunch of compelling attributes, and and that that was key to to you know my thinking in terms of getting into this because like could I can I even fundraise for this? Is it is it going to work? And are people going to back it? Obviously, if you're lending money, you need to find money to lend. Um, and uh, you know, so so that was that was definitely part of the thinking, and um, and you know, I believe it um, as much or even more today than than I did when I discovered it. Which is, yeah, absolutely, it's a very interesting asset for investors to participate in. Uh, I think private credit is having a bit of a moment right now, a positive moment. There's a lot of uh, articles being written, a lot of capital flowing to private credit um, because it's uncorrelated with uh, the publicly traded. Um, you know, stock and bond markets. Um, 
and uh, and just has a generally pretty attractive return. Uh, but there's a lot of different flavors of private credit. Uh, I like our flavor, which is short-term, small-dollar, um, high-yield, fully amortizing credit. I'm getting a little bit geeky in how I'm describing it, but like those are interesting attributes. If you put them all together, it creates a really compelling return profile, consistent return profile, but also you mentioned the redemption rights. Uh, our underlying loans are actually quite short and fully amortizing, so we're getting a lot of cash back from our borrowers all the time. And so that makes our business easier to manage, um, easier to rebalance, easier to uh, satisfy any liquidity requirements that an investor might have. Um, so if they ask for their money back, we can deliver it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's kind of compelling all around. Like you're solving a great need for small business owners uh, who have a need for capital, but you're also solving uh, a need for investors where you know you want to be able to stay liquid, you want to be able to generate a good yield. Uh, on your money and you want to be able to beat inflation, right? Um, it's a, a common, um, you know, thought process right now. So uh, I, I am proud that our business kind of delivers value on both sides of that. Fantastic. I really liked the uh, analogy that you used there, kind of the the desert for the, the small business credit, which uh, I think is so true. And I think, you know, funding for a lot of small businesses, the uh, lack of it, I should say, has really only been magnified over the last couple of years. So it's really great that, uh, you know, solutions such as Merchant um, exist. Now, looking at uh, the, the problem in a bit more detail, uh, this is a bit of a, a two-pronged question. Maybe you could share some more uh, statistics or numbers that really underscore the the market opportunity for for merchant within the space with regards to the business funding but also uh highlight the the magnitude of the problem faced by canadians who are underserved in the the banking system you know there's about 1.2 million businesses in canada there's quite a few when you compare it to the number of people in canada it's quite a few businesses per capita but the vast vast majority of those are small they also employ most most of uh, the people in the country. So it's a huge GDP contributor. It's a huge employment contributor. Like I mentioned earlier, banks just don't provide lending solutions that are based on cash flow. They only provide lending solutions that are based on collateral. And a lot of businesses have cash flow, but they don't have collateral, right? I guess I just really feel passionate that having a world with more small businesses have more equal access to you know resources um, in a way that, that large businesses do, you know, obviously there's always going to be a gap there, but to the extent we can make it a little easier for small business owners to, um, you know, viably exist and, you know, react to financial sh shocks or, uh, you know, capitalize on opportunities and, and have them sort of thrive alongside big business. Um, I think that's like a more compelling vision. You don't just want the big tech companies and like, and big chains uh, in your storefronts. Like you want the, the owner-operated single location merchant, right? And there's just something to be said about how that contributes to the community in a different way. So um, somewhat more of a qualitative answer, but uh, I think that that sort of highlights why I think there's a big need and why it's like important to address that need. I think that's such a, a thoughtful response there. I know um, we recently as a team discussed a Globe and Mail article that was evaluating kind of 
Canada's uh, entrepreneurial and, and small business ecosystem, and they didn't shed a, a very good light on it. They highlighted how there's so much more room for improvement there and what we can be driving, doing to support these people looking to get into you know, entrepreneurship or these small business owners. And I think to your point, it is such a, a valuable component of GDP. It is one of the, the largest employers looking at, at small business overall as the economy. So it's a, a very important aspect of uh, you know, Canada as a whole. And it's something that uh, definitely needs a, a lot more support. And, uh, you know, it's great that you guys are, are able to be part of that for, for all of those uh, organizations, which is great. Yeah, look, I think there's like, obviously in in recent decades, like massive companies that have come up and, and have, you know, become really fierce uh, uh, businesses to kind of go up against as a small business, you know, Amazon comes to mind and others, but like, there's also a lot of really positive trends and I like to be glass half full and um, you know, there's more and more fintechs that make it easier for you to get your banking set up, get your accounting going as a fund. We invest in loans originated by um, credit focused fintechs, and, you know, and, and e-commerce platforms and Shopify and like, yeah, there's, there's in, in some ways it's, it's easier than ever to start up something on your own. Um, and, and in some ways it's harder, but, uh, it's just always constantly evolving. And I think that it's a worthwhile focus for, um, you know, entrepreneurs to try and build businesses around helping small businesses uh, be more successful, right? Absolutely. Well, uh, getting into a little bit more about, um, you know, your investment opportunities and things that you look at, you're you're filled with uh, an award-winning team of, of fund managers and directors. You've got uh, expense, extensive market knowledge and experience across the board with the team, um, which you're able to, to leverage to select, assess, and, and manage your portfolio. Uh, perhaps you could give us some more uh, detail and insights into the key factors your team considers when evaluating these opportunities. For sure. We are very lucky to have the team we have, uh, and we do definitely bring different things to the table. So, you know, my role uh, is big picture and strategic and also very business development oriented. Like I have a lot of conversations uh, with uh, loan originators um, across the non-bank financial services industry, um, in, in primarily in Canada, but even a bit in the U.S., uh, so I'm, I'm always kind of like looking around and having conversations to see what's out there that might make sense to fit in our fund. Uh, we've got Peleg Bartfeld. Uh, he is the analytical numbers guy. Uh, I'm, I'm reasonably strong in that area. I mean, I kind of started my career in private equity doing analysis. Uh, but, you know, these days I'm, I'm more in meetings and, and less, less, you know, behind um, the computer screen in Excel. Uh, but you know, Peleg's not only extremely strong in, in, in terms of his ability to analyze deals, he also draws on a lot of experience. He was a portfolio manager at a large independent money manager in Canada called Phillips Hager North, where he specifically looked at financial services businesses as like a main part of what he was uh, tasked with uh, analyzing. Uh, so, you know, he's great. And, and his personality is also just really well suited for like, being risk man, being a risk manager, uh, he's always uh, he's always thinking about the downside case. And and our fund invests in credit, and credit investing is all about downside. It's all about figuring out what your downside is, what could cause that downside, um, and managing around that. Uh, you know, as opposed to like you know venture capital, where you're just dreaming how big something might be, and 
and you recognize that you're going to lose on most of your investments. And once in a while you hit a big, it's a very different approach than, you know, when you're making loans, it's like the, the best you're going to do is you're going to get your loan paid back with your fee. Um, and so that's already, you know, predetermined and what, what you need to manage around is like, how often is a loan going to maybe have a challenge and what's that going to look like and baking that into your numbers and so on. Probably is very strong with that. And then we've got Aaron Lightman. He's our chief legal officer. Uh, we are in the private credit markets. We're structuring deals with other loan originators. We're making loans ourselves. Uh, that is obviously a lot of legal work there. Uh, we're obviously raising capital into a, a fund and, and there's securities regulation around that. So there's always plenty of legal work to do. So it made sense to have somebody in house. Um, uh, and then uh, we also have Kevin Clark, uh, who is uh, a well-known individual in Canadian specialty finance. He's a founder of the Canadian Lenders Association. So he knows a lot of the groups out there that um, might be interesting for us to know from a fund perspective. Uh, so I think we've got our base covered pretty well there. You mentioned earlier our, our directors as well. Um, so we, we uh, do quarterly board meetings with them and they are all investors in our fund uh, and they're highly engaged and also have a lot of relevant experience. So, um, you know, it really does um, help to have a really good team. You can't just do it all yourself. Um, and, and we certainly have that. That's great. Well, uh, for those listening today who might be less familiar with funds and in investing in funds, perhaps you could walk us through how the, the business generates profits and sustains its growth over time. It is different than investing in the shares of a company. Typically, when you invest in the shares of a private company, uh, your um, your plan is to you know see them grow and be successful and eventually sell their business. And that's usually when you're going to get most of your money back. Maybe you get some along the way too, but um, you know it's really about building a valuable business and selling it. And in a fund structure, um, you're exposed to uh, a large number of underlying investments. So instead of just having an exposure to one company, you're going to have exposure to a portfolio of loans or a portfolio of equity positions. Um, if you're investing in say like a private equity fund or venture capital fund. Um, so you kind of immediately get a diversification benefit usually um, when you invest in a fund. Uh, and in our case, we're an open-ended fund. So you can invest and you can also redeem. Every month we, we do a NAV calculation, which stands for net asset value. So we uh, run numbers to figure out how well our loan portfolio did. Uh, and those are audited annually by, by KPMG. And we, uh, we price our loan um, portfolio, um, or rather we value our loan portfolios. Uh, and then we can uh, you know, figure out what the price is to, to get in and out of the fund. So, everyone owns what we call fund units and the value of those units fluctuates based on the performance I just mentioned. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're basically, a, you're, you're more liquid. Uh, you're getting paid more as you wait too, because in our case, we're a debt fund and we pay a distribution. So we pay 8% cash distribution every year. Um, we pay it, uh, it's an 8% annual distribution, but we pay it quarterly. So you basically get 2% a quarter times four is 8%. Uh, so you get money along the way and you can pull your money out when you need access to it. Uh, so that's, I would say the those features plus the diversification that you get on day one is, is the biggest difference between 
investing in a fund and investing directly in a business. That's great. Well, I uh, appreciate the the overview there. And, uh, you know, as a fund working with both investors and, and borrowers, what is the the strategy for finding those investors and borrowers that meet the profile of who the fund is looking for? Are they coming to you? Is there a specific outreach strategy that you have? Uh, what's the approach there? I'll answer the investor side first. So the beginning, you know, that's evolved over time. At the beginning, it was friends and family. Uh, we had no track record at the beginning. Um, we had a, uh, an, an idea and a rough outline of what that process would look like to execute on that. Um, but uh, it was it was friends and family investors. Uh, over time, it, it grew to more individual investors and not necessarily individuals that were simply my friends and family, but you know, we started to build the board of directors and those uh, directors would bring investors in and so on. Um, and then more recently, as we've continued to grow, uh, we're now about a $100 million portfolio. Uh, we've had a few institutional investors come in. So these are professionally managed pools of capital that, um, you know, are either like a significant family office or another private debt fund that also invests in funds. Um, so we've had a few of those investors too. Um, and uh, our outreach strategy is uh, having a lot of conversations with uh, investors that, you know, particularly with investors that we, we already know might um, have prior um, experience with private credit or have stated an interest in private credit. However, it's, uh, you know, all shapes and sizes. Uh, we're a broadly distributed fund under offering memorandum. Uh, we are on uh, the shelf of a few broker dealers. So there's some investment advisors that are buying the fund for their clients. So we have, you know, small investors. We, are, we have a minimum of, uh, uh, you know, I think we only do minimum of 5,000, I believe, through Fund Funder. Um, typically we do 10,000, but through Fund Funder we do five. Uh, and, and so we have, you know, $5,000 investors and we have, you know, $10 million plus investors. So everything in between. So that's the investor yeah. side. Yeah. So that's the investor side on the borrower side, you know, when we're looking at um, new lending strategies, we're typically going to establish a relationship with a new loan originator. Um, and, and so it's about, you know, leveraging Kevin Clark's connections with the Canadian Lenders Association and conversations I'm having um, to see what might fit uh, what we like to see, which is kind of those flavors I mentioned earlier of short-term, small-dollar, high-yield credit. So when we find one of those and we like it, we, uh, we structure a deal and we move ahead. Um, uh, so that's on, on that side of things. Our main strategy in the fund is small business lending. So we spent a lot of time at the beginning of this podcast talking about that. Uh, those loans are mostly being made by an operating business that we own and operate in which we created the fund around in the first place, which is uh, merchant growth. And the way that merchant growth itself finds its borrowers is uh, uh, a whole other can of worms. And, um, you know, the short answer is it's a, a, a diversified sales and marketing strategy. Uh, you know, we, diversification is is good in your loan portfolio it's also good in in your sources of business and ongoing uh, uh origination flows uh it's also good on your investor base too you know it's uh it's nice to have a large number of investors and um as opposed to just having one 
really large one, for instance. Um, and so the way that merchant growth finds its borrowers is um, through online, through call center, uh, through referral partners, through broker partners, ongoing renewal with existing customers. So a whole bunch of different channels that we look at and we try and maximize um, with the team. That's great. I appreciate all the, the detail there. I think that's fantastic. Now, looking more specifically at uh, the fund itself and the investment opportunity that's uh, available uh, to investors through Fund Funder and, and other means, as you noted, um, what would you say are some of the key factors that set you apart from other fund investment opportunities that may exist? A few things. Well, for, firstly, we're we're a private credit fund, and I just want to focus on that for a minute, which is um, just uh, its own category. And you know, there's you might have heard of you know mutual funds, uh, hedge funds, um, private equity funds, venture capital funds. These are all different types of funds, uh, and they do slightly different things. So we're in private credit specifically, which means. We make loans that are private. They're not traded. They're not like bonds that are traded. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, every um, every category is a little bit different and has a different level of risk and expected volatility, uh, ups and downs, and how severe those ups and downs might be. Private credit is known for being pretty steady. Specifically within private credit, we are making smaller loans than most private credit funds. We're making shorter term loans than mo most private credit funds. We make sure that the loans we make are fully amortizing. I used that word earlier. What that means is that uh, we get payments of both interest and principal um, right away, starting with the very first payment that a borrower makes uh, until the last payment where they no longer have any principal outstanding. It's like a mortgage where you're paying principal and interest and eventually you make your last payment. There's nothing left. Uh, except in our case, um, instead of a 30-year mortgage, we're doing the entire thing over 12 months. Uh, and the benefit of that, compared to some other types of private credit, where they're in longer-term multi-year loans and they might be interest-only, so there's no principal payment, it's just a big bullet payment at the end, is they're not actually getting a lot of cash back. Uh, and so their underlying assets are fundamentally a lot less liquid. Uh, they're kind of stuck. And... Uh, there's a few negatives to that. One is the world's always changing. You could have a situation where, uh, you know, a certain sector uh, is particularly negatively impacted by an event. Let's like talk about the COVID pandemic, for instance. Uh, you could just have a run of the mill recession, which is going to hit certain industries harder than others. When, as the world changes around you, you want to be able to reposition your loan portfolio. And if you're stuck in multi-year loans, those ships are far out at sea. You're not going to be able to get them back in time. Uh, when your loans are, are short and they're amortizing, you're always getting principal back. You're like constantly able to rebalance. Um, and by getting cash back frequently, uh, you can actually pay people back if people want to liquidate, right? And uh, there's a, some private debt funds will, uh, you know, and I hate to speak negatively about our, our space, um, but some will, will offer monthly liquidity the way we do, which means any given month you can uh, redeem your investment and get re get paid out you know, at the end of the month or shortly thereafter. So a lot of funds offer that uh, in private credit, but um, uh, if your underlying loan assets don't actually generate a lot of cash, then it's hard to actually manage that. And so we've seen funds that uh, offer that monthly liquidity, but then, you know, 
something happens and a number of their investors redeem at the same time and they can't satisfy it. And then they end up having to, what we call gate the fund and, uh, and pay people out slowly, than, slower than they expected, which is not a fun experience for anybody. Right. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I really like the category we're in and that is just fundamentally quite liquid. Uh, and also the types of loans that we have access to, it, it's hard to find them. Uh, you know, we're actually the only investment product out there where you can get Canadian small business loans of this kind. Um, there are funds that you can get into that offer exposure to this in the U.S., and elsewhere, but we're the only game in town when it comes to Canadian small business loans, which is a very neat asset and 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 frankly performs more consistently than the American equivalent. So um, we're quite unique in that sense. Well, that's a, a fantastic overview. Really appreciate you uh, giving a bit more overview as to the you know nature of the funds, where you fit, and uh, what sets you apart. So I think that's fantastic. Um, uh, as you mentioned earlier, obviously, uh, grew up in uh, an entrepreneurial environment. You've been able to, uh, you know, with Merchant, really foster a, a fantastic team. So would love to hear a little bit more uh, about yourself as a, a leader and, and your leadership style. So obviously, it uh, plays such an important role in shaping the culture and direction of the company. So as the CEO of Merchant Opportunities, you know, what leadership principles do you personally prioritize and how do you foster a, a positive work environment for your team? We're very transparent with everybody. Uh, we, we post our financials for everybody to see. You know, there isn't this sort of like secretiveness at any level, really. I mean, apart from maybe individual pay because that's private, but um, otherwise we're open book. You know, we're genuinely friends. Like we have a, a, a great vibe. It's, it's a huge part of what why I love what, what I do. I love hanging out with the team. Um, you know, part of me misses the office days when we're always together in the same room, but... Uh, we, we try and make that happen through events and stuff. And yeah, we just, we try to really keep it fun. You know, there's, a, there's a few other kind of like management philosophies that I guess have, um, uh, resonated with me over time as I kind of consume that kind of content and think about how we should run our business. One is, um, you may have heard of like smart goals, which is like basically make means like, you know, make sure you can attain your goals that they're realistic. Yeah and uh that you can measure them and it's like okay obviously you need to be able to measure them um but if you're really focused on making sure you set out goals that you can easily hit um like you might not be shooting high enough right uh i'd rather set some higher goals and miss right and and creating a culture where it's okay to miss it's okay to set a big goal and then miss the goal you you, you end up farther along than you would have been um you know setting a smaller goal uh, and so I've heard another acronym called FAST goals. Yeah, frequent discussion, ambitious scope, specific milestones, and transparency. And I think that's a much better acronym for, for goal setting uh, than SMART. I've also recently gotten really into um, uh, the book called Traction, which talks about uh, the entrepreneurial operating system. You may have heard of that. Uh, I think that's just a good way to just be nice and organized, basically, um, and make sure things are getting done. And I've, we've definitely, I think, gotten pretty good results out of that. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of a few tactics and tricks of the trade that have been helpful um, on our end. Uh, but, um, you know, more than anything, I think we're just like um, having fun and we're, you know, honest people that are friends with each other. And I think that really helps. 
That's great. I uh, love how you kind of flip the the smart goals on their head there. And yeah, it's it's important to be realistic and have it be attainable. But to your point, when you're wanting to grow and accomplish great things, sometimes you need to shoot a little bit higher. So I think the uh, FAST acronym there is going to be great for uh, any founders that we have listening who are kind of in that position and and looking for a philosophy and structure there. So I uh, think that's, that's great insight. Now, um, since you've founded Merchant Opportunities Fund, what's been one of your favorite moments with the company so far? Yeah, honestly, like my my knee-jerk reaction or like my knee-jerk response to that is like right now, I feel like we're in a really exciting moment. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you always, uh, you know, have to do your best to stay positive and keep going, but there's hard times and, and good times. And, um, you know, I do find that uh, the good times are correlated to how well we're doing, right? Like if we're firing on all cylinders and it feels really great, it's, you're going to be pretty happy. Uh, and it feels like we're in that moment right now. Like we've been doing this for 13 years and it takes time to lay a really good foundation and then start to see things really click. And it feels like that's really starting to happen for us. And that's just really exciting. Uh, it's nice to have, you know, really happy investors. We write a letter every quarter uh it's great to deliver good news and you know get positive feedback in return um you know it's uh it's you know it's a lot of numbers but it's also you know helping helping people achieve their goals and whether it's the investors with their financial goals or or business owners with uh their business goals uh so it's um yeah it's kind of just feels really good to have things clicking uh and uh we recently did a summer party just a couple of months that felt really great uh nice to get the toronto based folks out and uh we had a really great time so you know this year just feels really great for us i uh, love the positive outlook there i think that's great the greatest uh you know moments are yet to come um and uh you know really positive outlook for the organization there i know you mentioned as well just how you know challenging it can be to be an entrepreneur you know there's a lot of ups and downs as you go it's also an incredibly demanding and busy role as well so when you're not working what do you love to do i have got two little toddlers so they take up a lot of time uh and I love hanging out with them, uh, but they're also a lot of work. So it's, uh, it's like another job, right? Um, yep. Uh, you know, I've always uh, been a, been quite an active like musician. I, I played in bands growing up. I toured with bands actually. So it was like always a big part of what I do. And, and I primarily play the drums, which is a really nice uh, like stress release, like just hit the drums really hard for an hour. It's like an exercise and very therapeutic, I find. Um, so I try to do that. Um, maybe get out for the odd tennis game, maybe do some travel. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, these days business is growing really quickly. And so are like two little toddlers at home. So it's, it's pretty freaking busy. Two full-time roles there for sure. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Pretty hectic. yeah. For sure. Well, um, looking back at, uh, you know, the the fund itself and uh, raising capital, um, obviously you're you're working with a, a lot of different dealers to make the funds available and uh, in coming across FrontFunder, uh, you've made it available at a bit of a 
lower entry point. So everyday Canadians can have access to the, the fund and the opportunity there. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about either how you kind of came across Front Funder or what the philosophy is in really making this something that is more accessible to everyday Canadians. Yeah, the, the, the mission behind Front Funder resonated with me very like quickly, um, which is, I talked about earlier how like fintech companies are largely making um, the playing field more even, right? And, um, uh, you know, a term that I've heard is like democratizing, you know, certain things. Uh, and, you know, in Front Funder's case, you're doing that for investors, right? You're making um, things available to, to, to more investors, to the small investors, as opposed to just like some kind of elite group that only gets that, that type of access to that type of product, right? So that that resonated a ton. And I, I'm also a huge fan of like, we can do things better with technology uh, and just, you know, being able to like execute on an investment, monitor an investment, like doing all that within a platform. Um, I just thought that always made a lot of sense. Um, and then, coming to know like you guys as a team has been great too. Um, so I've always been a really big fan, uh, but yeah, it's just totally resonated with me. And, you know, we are a credit fund that specifically invests in loans that have certain financial attributes that I've talked a lot about today, but they're also generally like FinTech enabled, um, like they're digitally originated loans. Uh, and so for a fund that's focused on that side of things, like it would be, Kind of be only appropriate for it to also be distributed by a fintech on the investor side of things uh and so i think this is a really good fit there that's fantastic well like i said i think in my uh four years since i've been with front funder merchants always been uh, around uh the company which is great so it's been a, a pleasure working with your team across the years and various aspects with with various members um and uh, definitely appreciate what it is that you guys are doing which is fantastic with the the current round and your your current campaign that you've got on the the page, you're raising up to a, a maximum of a hundred million. There's there's forty two million um, already funded as we've got on the the campaign page. So perhaps for those who might be a little bit less familiar with with funds and how it works, um, maybe you can provide some more detail as to how those funds raised get put to work um, for Merchant Opportunities Fund. Yeah, we. Um... Well, investors, you know, obviously get onboarded and, and front funder helps facilitate that. Uh, once they're onboarded too, they are able to monitor uh, their uh, investment performance through our portal where they can, uh, you know, see a variety of different statements and, and reports and so on as well and tax documents. And we make that pretty easy. Uh, we've also made our offering to be RSP and TFSA eligible, which is good. Once we get a subscription, the money comes in. Uh, we, uh, at the fund level, have uh, a line of credit with uh, Bank of Montreal and uh, actually another bank as well. Uh, it's now a syndicated facility, so there's more than one bank involved um, because it's getting pretty big. And so what we do there is when money comes in, we can pay that line of credit that we have with BMO down. That creates room for us to then you know, reinvest those uh, funds into uh, more loans, right? Um, and we always manage our business with a fair bit available under that BMO line. It also helps us with ins and outs when it comes to in a given month, uh, 
investors coming in or out. Um, and it allows us to be fully invested at all times. So, you know, if we have a big investor come in, it's not like we're just sitting on cash that's not earning anything. Uh, we, we're just taking our leverage down a little bit by paying our line of credit down. Uh, and then, uh, you know, especially right now when our, our whole space is quite busy, we have plenty of opportunities to redeploy that uh, pretty quickly. So that's kind of how that works. That's fantastic. Well, uh, ahead of this episode, we sourced a couple questions from investors as well that I'd just like to to run through quickly. So we had uh, uh, three that we pulled in for the the episode here. Um, one is uh, on diversification and how it's a, a key focus of uh, investment portfolios. So how does Merchant Opportunities Fund ensure portfolio diversification across features like industry, geography, your customer segments? Perhaps you can provide some more insights there. Definitely. Uh, I, I alluded to earlier how in credit, um, like you want to be focused on downside um, because your upside is capped by your yield on your fees that are built into your loans. Um, and central to that is thinking about diversification, right? That's like one of the best ways to mitigate downside. Um, and, you know, number one, we start with just doing small loans uh, and that immediately at least you're you're not concentrated on a, on a loan basis. Like our our fund actually holds over ten thousand loans if we include all the consumer loans. Uh, so it's a large number of individual loans, and then you know overlaying on top of that, things like geography and industry matter. Uh, we monitor that closely. Uh, we actually have a risk committee meeting that we do once a month. We go over how those um, exposures have shifted in the month, um, as well as like, are we seeing any trends, uh, uh, that, you know, might warrant an adjustment to what we're doing on a go forward. Um, and, uh, it's an important discipline having that monthly meeting. And we, uh, um, you know, I would say that, uh, we, you know, as part of that, if we start to see a certain industry, you know, for some reason getting really busy, we're doing a lot of loans there. Like we're certainly going to question that, whether that's smart to really grow that position beyond a certain size. Uh, you know, we, we do find that our invest, uh, our, we do find that our portfolio naturally is quite diverse, like without us even really having to consciously do much. It just, because there's so many different kinds of small businesses, you just, if you're a small business lender, you end up in so many different industries. We have over 107 industries that we track. Uh, and uh, and when when it comes to geography, we're more or less where the Canadian population is. Uh, so Ontario being the biggest market, we're a little bit overweight BC and underweight Quebec, just given that we're Vancouver-based. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, but it's... Um, uh, you know, quite, quite diverse naturally. Um, and uh, BMO also with their debt facility with us uh, hold, hold us to certain um, standards. So like our top three industries can't be over a certain percentage, for instance. Uh, and there's a few other terms like that. Uh, and so those are, those are hard rules that we, we have to monitor and we're always like healthy, like healthy margin below those maxes. But uh, those are, you know, some of the ways we make sure that we're adequately diversified. That's great. We uh, actually had a, a question come in specifically on risk. And I know you you got into quite a bit of detail on that within that question as well. Um, so perhaps you can just 
say a couple more words on uh, how do you kind of maintain a balance between generating those attractive returns and managing those potential risks? That was a, another question we had come through. Yeah, you, you know, th this is a, a long game. And uh, if you build a portfolio that generally does well, but then has this potential to have a really bad year, um, you're not really doing a good job because, uh, you know, if uh, I, I saw this recently in my Instagram reels, uh, Ray Dalio saying, you know, if you lose half your money, then you have to double it afterwards to get it back to, you know, where you were before. Right. Um, and and uh, so, you know, making sure that you're not exposed to a potentially significant loss is like absolutely key. Um, and, you know, we've, we're in this for the long term. We've got our friends and family uh, invested. We're heavily invested in the fund, uh, our entire professional networks, et cetera. Um, we, we care deeply about it and how it does over the long period, not, not just in a given year. Um, and, uh, you know, how we actually manage that risk, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a long answer, frankly, like if I really want to dive into it all, um, it's central to what we do, but I'll try and kind of summarize it. So one is when, when it comes to investing in other loan portfolios, like outside of the merchant growth one, uh, we, we do a lot of structuring. So, uh, we make that loan originator put up what we call first loss capital. Uh, and we make sure that we earn a, a pref return or preferred return. Uh, so what that means is that uh, we need to make a certain minimum on our money first before the originator gets paid. And the originator is actually putting up money that is going to get hit first if we have a really bad um you know, credit loss experience in a given year in the portfolio or whatnot. Um, and so, you know, they're really eating their own cooking, uh, but we actually, um, they lose before we lose, right? And uh, and that's really helpful, those types of structures. Obviously, we analyze their historical um, performance. We go cohort by cohort, how, how did their loans perform in the past? Uh, and uh, make sure that we feel confident in how they're underwriting those loans. And our expertise in the space really helps there because we run our own loan, loan origination business with Merchant Growth. So um, we understand a lot about the best practices and whether or not those are being followed at you know, any other lending strategy that we think the fund might want to look at. Um, when it comes to the ones we, the, the loans we do kind of make ourselves via Merchant Growth, uh, we, uh, in addition to like kind of the diversification stuff we talked about earlier, like on a loan by loan basis, we're trying to figure out obviously, is this a loan we want to make or not? And we are looking at cash flows instead of collateral. I mentioned that earlier as well, uh, where the banks look at collateral and, 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 and we look more at cash flow. So uh, we look at um, a number of different data points, but fundamentally the most important one from our perspective is bank transaction data. So we see, uh, you know, are customers coming in frequently? Are they buying a lot? Is that trending in a nice direction? Is there enough cash flow coming in to, you know, make uh, uh, make rent payments and all the other payments after accounting for whatever the, you know, uh, margin is, uh, cost of goods is uh, for, for whatever they're selling? Like we can actually get 
pretty precise on all that just from six months of bank transaction data uh, using some pretty interesting logic and some um, and then and then layering over top of that we look at credit bureaus and um, and we we assess the online presence and we do a bunch of validations with registries and stuff like that we do all that in the background all fully automated and uh, that comes out with a you know a yes or no decision and at what price and and the reason we're able to do that is we've done so many loans over the years that we can study what worked and what didn't and build models around that. Um, and so, you know, it gets pretty um, inside baseball when we get into the whole data science part of it. But, um, you know, there's no shortcut. Like you kind of just have to make thousands of loans over the years and then you get the data to then be more efficient at it on a go for it and, and continue to refine it and get it better and better. Um, and so, yeah, investors coming in today kind of, are getting the benefit of the fact that we've done this for so long and have learned as much as we've learned. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the quote that's used often in, in lending is it's easy to make loans, it's harder to get the money back. And uh, you need to be good at, at the latter. Um, and uh, uh, you know, that's, I think what we've been able to demonstrate. Fantastic. Well, I think um, the investor who asked that question is going to be very happy with the response. That was incredibly detailed. So really uh, appreciate you providing those insights there. I think as well, uh, you know, you had mentioned kind of learning over time and how that leads in today. Um, you do have a really nice graphic on the campaign page as well that just kind of shows the value of a thousand dollars invested over time and kind of the consistency that the fund has had over the years, which I think is, is great for uh, investors to see as well. So as we look to kind of close up the the investor Q&A that we had submitted there, uh, the next one is really touching on what future opportunities you might see in the market for Merchant Opportunities Fund. And I know you, you mentioned earlier, you know, with the outlook of where we're at today, you're quite optimistic about where things are headed and feel excited and energized about that. Uh, so maybe you can let us know uh, if there's any um, new items kind of on the horizon. Sure, yeah, there are a couple. Uh, one is uh, there's a COVID era government loan program that uh, is actually coming up uh, for repayment. So a bunch of small businesses all at once are going to need money to pay the government off. Uh, obviously, a number of those businesses are going to have the cash on hand. Um, and, and some, frankly, like sadly, are going to be struggling no matter what, like they, um, you know, might not be running businesses that are viable anymore. Um, but there's, there's going to be um, a group in between where, you know, they don't, maybe don't quite have the cash or they, they have it, but they don't want to drain it all in one swoop uh, just to get rid of this government loan. Uh, and so there's a significant lending opportunity for us uh, to help small businesses take advantage of this government program. And I say take advantage because uh, this program, it's called Canada Emergency Business Account or CBA. Uh, and the way the government set it up is, if you pay it off by the end of uh, this year, 2023, you actually get a big discount. Uh, so there's a huge incentive to get rid of it this year. Uh, and so we can help people do that this year. Uh, and this program was massive. Like you know, every business in Canada basically has one of these loans. So um, that that's something we think we can help a lot of small businesses with. Uh, we've also been doing um, some smaller business loans um, at the point of sale, when a business, when a small business is buying something from their supplier, we're showing up as an option to finance that purchase. Um, that's through our Tabit product. Uh, so that's uh, quite interesting. That's an interesting way to 
you know, deliver a lot of um, convenience to small businesses, like making that credit available right as they're making a purchase. Um, you know, oftentimes in our regular business, uh, you know, folks are coming to us to finance a purchase, like they've identified something they need and then they're, you know, if they find us as, as a loan uh, solution to, to make that purchase, um, but to kind of bundle it all in one experience um, is very convenient. Uh, and so we see that as another growth engine in the years to come. Yeah, so a few things on the horizon that we think is going to create a lot of demand for credit. And that'll allow us to just, um, you know, continue to diversify the fund more, um, you know, be really, uh, be picky, which is ben uh, a, a benefit to investors. Um, you know, when we have a ton of demand, we can just be really picky, right? And that's good for, um, for risk management, right? Just uh, picking the best loans. So uh, a few exciting things on the horizon for sure at the moment. It's fantastic. It's uh, always great solving a, a need in the industry and really being able to, uh, you know, identify those opportunities and meet your customers where they might be in the future and, and find those new avenues. So um, very exciting to hear what's on the, the horizon there. So thank you for sharing that. And as we look to to wrap things up today, just a, a question I always like to, to ask every entrepreneur and, you know, yourself with such a, a fantastic entrepreneurial background is for any uh, founders and future entrepreneurs who might be listening today, what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with them? Um, let me think about that one too for one sec. Um, the piece of advice that comes to mind is one that my older brother gave me actually, and I mentioned earlier that he was an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur. Um, and his advice was, um, start as soon as you can. Uh, like the longer you have, the the more chances are that you'll actually create something that works. Uh, you know, such a big predictor of success is like this perseverance and persistence. And the more time you have to just grind away at it, the the you know more likely you are of an outcome that's positive. And and uh, so just kind of get going. The sooner the sooner the better. Um, I think as a general rule, that's a pretty good rule. Uh, you know, there's certain industries where it makes sense, makes a bit more sense to get your feet wet first with you know, working at a big company and kind of building a network and stuff before you jump out on your own. But um, as a general rule, I think the sooner the better. Uh, so, you know, if, if you've decided that's something you want to try, get going. Fantastic philosophy. I think that's a great advice from your brother there. So appreciate you uh, passing that along. Um, really, uh, last question today, just for for those who might be considering an investment in, in Merchant Opportunities Fund, are there any final words you'd like to share? Just thank you for thinking about it and for taking a look and for getting this far into this you know podcast episode about it. And uh, you know, happy to answer questions uh, and take a great deal of pride and uh, you know delivering a good result for investors and hope you can join along for the ride. That's fantastic. Well, for those who are wanting to learn more, um, you can discover Merchant on uh, FrontFunder's platform, frontfunder.com forward slash Merchant Opportunities Fund. Um, we've got a, a $5,000 minimum investment. Uh, as David mentioned earlier, it's register account eligible as well. And there's lots of great information on the campaign page. And uh, you can always reach out to Merchant directly um, through the Q&A. Um, so David, really uh, appreciate you uh, joining today, providing more insights on uh, Merchant, uh, how you operate the fund, um, things like that. So thank you so much for your time and sharing more of your entrepreneurial journey with uh, investors as well. 
Yeah, you got it, Trieste. It's great to be on here. Thank you so much. For anyone new to the podcast, FrontFunder is Canada's leading equity crowdfunding platform, enabling all Canadians to invest in the most exciting startups and growth stage companies, something that was previously only available to the 1%. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can have your questions answered in an upcoming episode. This podcast episode is for informational purposes only and should not constitute financial advice. Investors should conduct their own due diligence on any investment they may be considering on FrontFunder. For details of any offering listed on FrontFunder, refer to the offering document on their campaign page at www.frontfunder.com.